mindset, performance, science, transforming communication, perspective, and boundaries. Welcome to the Redefining Success Show with Aaron Jewell, a Thrive Global Top 10 Coach of 2021. And now, here's your host, Aaron Jewell. All right, everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Aaron. Great to be here with you today. Today, we're going to talk about emotional intelligence, self-awareness, and the gaps that we are observing and witnessing at higher levels of leadership. So I recently read an article in Forbes that talks about self-awareness and leadership and how when we get to higher levels of organizations, higher levels of leadership, in organizations, what can and does happen is we become less aware. And of course, this is not always the case. Uh, One study talked about surveying 3,600 leaders at varying levels of different organizations and basically found that the higher level leaders experienced a lower level of self-awareness than some of the lower level leaders. And they, they specifically identified about 20 competencies. And the studies showed that 19 out of 20 of the competencies in the survey were, were miscalculated by the higher level leaders. So basically what they perceived to be their level of competency was not in alignment with what others perceived their level of competency to be in certain areas. And it goes on to say that the level of self-awareness that a leader experiences that only about 10 to 15% of leaders are actually self-aware. Now, that number seems pretty low especially if you think about the fact that everybody talks about self-awareness, right? Everybody talks about authenticity. Everybody talks about self-awareness. Everybody talks about, you know, leading with clarity, things like that. So why is it then based on this study that the actual percentage of people, of leaders who are considered to be self-aware based on certain criteria are is only at about 10 to 15%. So I'm really looking forward to exploring this topic a little bit more with you today. And really, those of you who know me and know the work that I do, I prefer to come from a place of non-judgment as much as possible. And I will I will steal the the quote from a, a friend of mine who's in the investigative questioning space and you know, this person recently said, I'm here to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And I feel like I I play a little bit of that type of a role. Perhaps I'm choosing to play a little bit of that type of a role when it comes to afflicting the comfortable. And I'll tell you why. Because of my own personal leadership and human journey. So for many years, I went on and on throughout my career and my my personal leadership journey, feeling pretty comfortable, okay? Feeling pretty comfortable about my competencies as a leader. I worked for companies that seemed to enjoy promoting me into new positions. 
pretty frequently, about every two years, I was promoted over a 15-year period, and it was never much more than two years. I moved uh, rather quickly, and it was always a, a step up. And so for a long time, I felt pretty confident in my competencies. I felt self-aware. I felt authentic. I thought I was leading authentically. And it really wasn't until Ish hit the fan in one of my leadership roles where I had the most responsibility. It was three businesses, 80 million in revenue, really about 200 direct and indirect reports, if you counted different parts of the commercial distributor organization. And that was when I started to recognize that, in fact, I lacked a level of self-awareness. How I was being perceived was different from how I perceived myself. Now, there's a nuance to this. There is a space in between how I perceived myself and how others perceived me. And it was almost this subcategory of how I really perceived myself. Because you see, there was how I wanted to show up, right? There was how I, how I would like to have thought I was showing up as a leader, somebody who was confident, somebody who presented themselves well, somebody who had a commanding and, and powerful presence, somebody who was a good listener, somebody who was engaging and present. That was not what was always perceived, but really deep down, I was actually feeling like a total imposter <laughs> for a large part of my career. And I never really talked about it. I felt fraudulent. I felt like people did me favors by hi- hiring me. I felt like people took chances on me by hiring me. And so over a period of time, the lack of feedback, the continuous promotional opportunities and then the higher up I, I went in the ranks. And then, of course, you have, you have the people around me who are watching me be promoted again and again and again. So think about this you know, yourself in, in your own place of work. If you see somebody who's being promoted over and over again, or at least pretty consistently, maybe, maybe a couple times over a you know, several-year period, are you less likely to give them feedback? Are you looking to increase leadership competence and trustworthiness on your team? Do you see more opportunities to build rapport and a sense of community on your team? Are you challenged with completely trusting yourself and your team as a leader? Book a call today with Erin Jewell Consulting to learn more about the PACE Signature System. PACE, an acronym for Perspective, Alignment, communication, and equanimity is designed to increase a sense of community and trustworthiness on your team to improve outcomes and drive the successful results you know that you and your team are capable of. All in six months. Go to erinjewelconsulting.com forward slash bookings for a free consult and enjoy So this is bringing me to kind of the first point in the article or one of the points in the article. And it talks about this exactly. It talks about when we get to a certain level of leadership, a lot of times we stop receiving that feedback. People become uncomfortable giving us feedback about our performance. Now, 
So I think it's safe to say that a lot of people in the workforce struggle with giving feedback. I can tell you, I struggled with giving feedback throughout my career, even when I was in a position where I had to provide feedback to others. I I didn't enjoy it. In fact, I recall going to a business leadership meeting down in Latin America once where we had to do this whole performance assessment of all of the employees to, you know, you go through the nine box. So there's a lot of different ways of doing it. And we, we all sat at a table. There was maybe, I don't know, 15 or 20 of us went through every employee and we talked about who was going to get, you know, how much of an increase, uh, how much of a merit increase, things like that, who would be up for promotions. And quite honestly, I found the process to be extremely subjective, even though there was this, this nine box method there, there was this, there was some type of structure in it. I found the process to be extremely subjective. And I I can remember going back to my hotel room after the meeting and, and crying. Just my heart, I felt so much in my heart for all of these people who were were doing the best they, they could. And, and I and perhaps what I didn't realize at the time was how much it was a reflection of me. Did these people really know what people were saying about them? Did these people really know? what, how people were reflecting about who they were. And at the time I identified so much with my work that if you told me I had to change something, it wasn't uncommon for me to drop into a total state of shame and feel like I was just a terrible human. So these were some of my own personal learnings along the way. So, so back to the article or learnings, I should say, adaptations, habits, So back to this article. So leaders get to a certain level of an organization and they stop receiving feedback. And when we're not receiving feedback, the question then becomes, are we as likely to make a change? When we're not receiving feedback, the question then becomes, does it become, are we at a greater risk for, you know, that gap to grow? Are we at a greater risk for having perceptions of how we're showing up that do not align with how others see us? And how many of us as leaders really struggle with receiving feedback? You know, there's there's an article just to pull gender into this a little bit because it plays a role to some extent in certain cases, or at least it has historically. I know I'd like to see that shift like a lot of other people. And I do believe that the way we shift it is by talking about it and moving through it. You know, there was an article done on uh, basically little girls and little boys. And what it found was little girls were immediately taught to be good at things. So, oh, you're such a great listener. You're such a great helper. You're so great at this or that. Girls were kind of raised with that reinforcement of when I'm good at something, I'm lovable. Like when I'm right away, good at something, I'm lovable. Where boys, they're brought up to hear things like you're, you can do this, you know, keep trying, you know, you can improve, you can get better, right? So what happens? We become adults. And women, they don't feel good at something. They don't necessarily feel like they can get there. Men, on the other hand, again, all of these are generalizations or those who identify as male, they always feel like they can improve. So they'll apply for the job that they're underqualified for. They will ask to be involved in something that maybe a woman would not feel qualified to to ask. And again, these are certainly all generalizations. I myself had the last four positions at, at my last company created for me. I was one of the highest paid in any of the roles I had. I was always loved negotiating my contracts. So it's uh, it's definitely not always the case. But how this ties in 
is in particular, potentially female leaders, as they rise up the ranks in the organization, they feel doubly, (laughs) I think I've said at least two words during this that are not actual words. So I'm feeling creative today, I suppose, that are feeling doubly like they have to have it figured out, right? So combining that, that meant that, that interpretation of our environment that we've got to show up like we know things in order for people to like us with feedback is uh, something that I do not like, (laughs) then you have a leader sitting at the top thinking everything's fine. So kind of bringing this back a little full circle as we wrap up our time together today, you know, what are some of the things we can do? Okay. So we have a leader who there's a perception between how they think they're showing up or how they want to show up and how they're being perceived. And then there's this third angle that we looked at today of how they actually really think they're showing up deep down that they're not telling anybody, which is more along lines of imposter syndrome. So what can we do about it? What are, what are some, what are some options? What are some takeaways? What are some next steps? So first things first, increasing self-awareness. And the best way, or one of one of the ways to increase self-awareness, it's certainly not the only solution, is to increase self-observation. And by increasing self-observation, I mean simply observing our behaviors, our habits, our tendencies without applying any judgment to them. So rather than saying, oh gosh, I did this and I shouldn't, simply saying, oh, I did this today. I did that today. And just watching how do we show up in meetings? How do we show up one-on-one? How do we feel when we're giving direction to teams? How do we feel when we're when we're asking teams for ideas? Are we asking teams for their ideas? Are we empowering our teams or are we creating dependency on our teams as much as we possibly can as leaders being in self-observation mode? Now, shameless plug here, I'm going to say this, that I am... As a coach, I am going to strongly recommend if you are a leader, especially if you're leading a team and you don't currently have a coach, having a coach is a really good idea because they can help you facilitate this. They do what's called field work or they assign what's called field work to you. So you become the experimenter and the lab rat of sorts. So this self-observation leads you to identify patterns. And once you identify these patterns, that will allow you to make choices and become more self-aware. And in that self-awareness, you become more attuned to what are you accepting of yourself about? What are you not accepting of yourself about? So on and so forth. And that eventually translates into greater efficacy as a leader with that greater self-awareness, putting you into that apparently 10 to 15%. So let's try to boost that number up a little bit. That's one of my intentions with this is that we we grow that number well, well beyond 10 to 15%, and that we have the majority of our leaders out there who are showing up with high levels of self-awareness, high levels of emotional quotient, emotional intelligence, understanding their own feelings, how to navigate through their own feelings so that they can then appreciate and recognize and acknowledge the feelings of others. Thank you all for your time, and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, visit AaronJewelConsulting.com.